was the moment I decided to post on social media, I've just been fired. That post went viral and, you know, was shared millions of times. And it was so incredible because a lot of people who cared about me called me and said, take that post down. You look really pathetic. You don't <laughs> want to let people know right. you've been fired, yeah. right? I mean, they thought they were being supportive of me, I guess. I didn't agree. I, I listened to myself and I thought, I actually Googled, you'll love this. Can I Google, has anyone successful ever been fired? And it turns out Oprah Winfrey, Steve Jobs, J.K. Rowling, like, like basically Mark Cuban, every billionaire there is yeah. has been fired. Sure. So I decided to reframe it as this is my launch point and I'm gonna rock that I got fired. I didn't do anything wrong. And I started piecing together all these different times in my life I had felt in a similar fashion. Mm. And that's when I realized I bounced back from each of those by rebuilding my confidence. Wait a minute, there's a system and a process yes. here and I can teach people how to do it. My guest today is Heather Monahan, a two-time best-selling author and the host of the popular Creating Confidence podcast. In our conversation, we'll actually do a deep dive on confidence, the villains that try to rob us of our confidence, and so much more. Here is my conversation with Heather Monahan. Heather, so I have talked to now over 7,000 people uh, on the air, coaching them in about five to six-minute windows, and I was recently asked by a podcast host, if you could boil it down to one thing that you think people are asking you for, what would it be? And I thought for a second, I thought for a couple of seconds, and, and I really began to, to think about it even on the drive home that night. And the answer to me is they're looking for confidence. Even though they're asking me for a very specific, you know, work base, my life, what do I do with my life, all that kind of stuff. Even though they do that, the bottom line is, is that they're asking for confidence. And so I've got you on today. And so I wanted to start there because you write a lot about confidence. You speak all over America to, to companies, to large audiences. You've written extensively, as I've said, about confidence. And I set that up because that's where I want to start with you is, was there a time in your life where you realized you didn't have a lot of confidence? Because for a woman who has it now, speaks on it and writes about it, I want to get the backstory with you. Why is that such an important topic to you? You know, people speak about what they need to hear themselves, yeah. right? Like yes. you, te you teach about what you need to remind yourself all the time. So there's been so many times in my life I've struggled with my confidence. But I mean, the biggest moment is when I was unexpectedly fired from the C-suite in corporate America after 25 plus years of you know, achieving all the wins and being the most influential woman in radio and realizing in that moment, I had assigned my confidence to all these external elements, you know, whether it be my paycheck, my team, my corporate title, but losing that overnight literally rocked my world and rocked my confidence. What happened there without getting into all the details, but I want people to understand that this can happen to very successful people. And we're going to go further into your story in a minute, but what happened in that moment when when you were let go and what what did it look like the, the days after that? What were you wrestling with? Well, it was completely unexpected. I, I'm a type A overachiever and I had just won a lot of awards and achieved a lot of, of goals at work. So to me, I was shocked when the yeah. new CEO took over the company and just let me know I was no longer needed, which can happen to anyone, sure. right? There can be 
a change at the highest level of an organization and, and your people change, which it makes sense, of course, unemotionally now, as I sit with you six years later. But in that moment, it made no sense to me. And um, I held myself together incredibly well in the moment when this woman delivered this, what I thought was horrific news to me. Sure. Uh, I had an 18 month long compete, non-solicit. I had to leave the industry I had expertise in for 25 years and wow. start over as a beginner somewhere. And I kept it together in the moment because I've learned that when you react to what somebody else says to you, you're giving them power over you. So I, I just stayed calm, you know, and I, I handled myself with grace. But the minute I got into the car, I cried my eyes out for the three hour ride home. And mm. when I got home, I realized nobody was calling me. Yeah. No one knew what was going on. So that was the moment I decided to post on social media. I've just been fired. And if I've ever done anything to help you, I need to hear from you now. And what was the response to that? That post went viral and, you know, was shared millions of times. And it was so incredible because a lot of people who cared about me called me and said, take that post down. You look really pathetic. You don't want to let people know <laughs> right. you've been fired. Yeah. Right. I mean, they thought they were being supportive of me, I guess. Um, I didn't agree. I, I listened to myself and I thought I actually Googled. You'll love this. Can I Google? Has anyone successful ever been fired? And it turns out Oprah Winfrey, Steve Jobs, J.K. Rowling, like, like basically Mark Cuban, every billionaire there is yeah. has been fired. Sure. So I decided to reframe it as this is my launch point and I'm going to rock that I got fired. I didn't do anything wrong. And so that post uh, landed me on the Elvis Duran show, which is where I halfway through the show, he looked at me, he said, well, obviously you're writing a book. And I wasn't, yeah. but he spoke a conviction into me. And wow. um, next thing you know, I wrote my first book. Did you see your confidence completely restored in the aftermath of these kind of details that you're explaining to us? Or did it still take you a little bit longer to get back to where you were? Oh, it took, it took a while to get back to where I was. Mm -hmm. But where I've gotten since then has yeah. been, I've had, I have so much more confidence now and just true belief and faith and who I am and my purpose and what I'm doing because of all of these challenges and low moments, it's really taught me to be a much stronger version of myself. Okay. So I want you to, we're going to unpack more on what you now, and you get to a little sign behind you, which I love, Overcome Your Villains. I want to talk about some of that, but I want to go back because in your bio, it's really plainly written that you grew up in a trailer. The word poverty is used. And I'm just curious your story as a little girl, how much did the environment that you lived in, none of which did you choose, how much did that affect your confidence as a young girl? Uh, you know, you know, you don't, as a child, you don't, you're not, you only know what you know, right? right? So to me, that, that was life, right? Was that I yeah. saw people on TV that had different lives, but that wasn't reality to me. Mm -hmm. So I never, I love to, for my podcast interview, people like you, really successful people who tell me, oh, I always had a vision for my future of, you know, this grandiosity. I did not have that vision for me. I just remember thinking at a very young age, I saw my mother struggle so terribly and work three jobs. And I just thought, okay, what can I do to take action right now so that I have a different situation? And I just thought work, you know, so from the time I was nine years old, I had a paper route and then busting mm. tables and, you know, it went on and on. My initial strategy was just outwork everybody. So you never have to struggle for money. Isn't it amazing that a nine-year-old can see that and go, I don't know anything else. 
other than what I see maybe on TV, but I want more. I find that to be unbelievably inspiring. Did, did you have siblings? Yeah, we. there's four kids total. I was a second child. And, did um, they have the funny. same drive as you? No, you can't. You know that. Listen, so many kids can come from the same family. Sure. And they're all going to be so incredibly different, right? right. Um, and I'll tell you, the first two children in my family are girls and the second two are boys. Mm -hmm. And we were almost, the girls were almost raised a little bit differently with messaging. We had a single mom from my mother because she was so fearful mm -hmm. for us to end up in her shoes. She didn't have as much fear around for whatever reason, you know, my brothers, but she would always say to us, never depend on somebody else. Always mm -hmm. have a plan for yourself. Always be self-sufficient, lean into education. She was very, very clear that we had to find a way to take care of ourselves so we didn't end up like her. Mm. So how much did did you doing hard things at a young age prepare you for a pretty earth-shattering moment after being very successful for a long time and then being let go? How much of your past of doing hard things, building, I would call it grit, you may call it something else, how much of that allowed you to overcome what happened to you professionally and now for you to go way beyond do you attribute any of that to what you developed in you in, know, in your in, young life initially no when i look at it today when you're asking me that question yes but initially it was almost the antithesis i remember when i got I had built myself to such a level in corporate America, which I thought was so safe. And so it was right. so visible to me that I would, I would be the CEO. And, you know, I knew how every next quarter looked and forecasted. Everything was so clear to me. I thought that it was almost debilitating, shocking that, wait a minute, I did all the right things. I outworked everybody. I made it to the C-suite. I did it all ethically. I, I achieved all, like, it, it, this can't even be real what's happening to me mm -hmm. because of who I had been and, and I built and created this person that I, you know, had become. It, I was I was almost in shock by it. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's fascinating to me because I feel like people like you who come from hardship, um, there's something extra there. There just is. And not everybody has it, but you had it and and you've drawn from it, which is amazing. Um, I've got to ask you to talk to people right now who inevitably may have been fired. They're afraid of getting fired. Maybe they've been passed over for a promotion. They're feeling like all these other people are getting promoted and they're starting to get into a real nasty place of self-doubt. Maybe they start to feel like an imposter what would you say to them if they were sitting with you right now at the table? Oh my gosh, I'll share this quick story. I had made it to the C-suite, but I always wanted a seat at the actual table. I wanted to be on the board of directors. Mm -hmm. And I had pitched myself. I warranted it. I deserved it. I should have been elected to the board of directors. I was given the runaround every single quarter. So for any person that's out there saying, I've been passed over, I keep getting the runaround. When that's happening, it's happening for a reason. And you might not want to see it. I didn't at the time. Ultimately, I was, you know, I, I left that building. I was forced out of that building when I was fired. Two years after I was fired, I was elected to my first board of director position. Why that's important is this. When you aren't wanted at the table, get up and go find another table. There's, I knew I deserved a seat on a board of directors, but I didn't deserve a seat at that board of directors. They didn't want me there. You mm. want to be surrounding yourself with people who want you, who are advocates for you, who do appreciate you. Don't settle for getting a runaround when you know you deserve better. I love that.
I love that. So, okay, let's talk about the people that may have been fired recently. What would you say to them? What needs to be their mindset? Don't come from a place of lack. Don't come from a place of lowering who you are, dimming your light. That's what I see happen to a lot of people. Everyone wants to go to this mindset of, you did something wrong. You should be ashamed. No, you. if you did nothing wrong, you should put it to work for you. 90% of people out there in the business world have dealt with some type of loss, you know, some type of termination, something happening that was unjust to them in their mind at work. Realize that you can't connect those dots yet. You're not going to, you're not sure where you're, where you're going next, but the more value you put intrinsically within you and the more you start to rock and own what special, unique about you, your expertise, your experiences, your network, you know, your business acumen, as you bring that forward and dial that light up, you'll start attracting those right opportunities to you. You just don't know where they are yet. But I promise you, if you start taking action, asking for help, elevating yourself, you will find them. Okay. I want to get back into your story. So your post goes viral. By the way, I, I, I wanted to ask in that moment, do you sense that the post went viral because you were so vulnerable? Because I thought it was interesting that your good friends were going, take it down, take it down, Heather. They're worried about your brand and they were coming from a good place. But do you think it went viral because of how vulnerable you were? What, what was about that post now that you've looked back on that? And then it gets you on you know, a major show and then I want to pick up there in a moment. But why do you think it went viral? Definitely. Back then, nobody was talking about people were only using LinkedIn, you know, as your highlight reel and talking. And, and then previously I had been as well. I was, you know, I was sharing all the awards I was winning. I was sharing our quarterly earnings report when we had a great quarter. <laughs> I was not sharing the low moments and struggles that I faced day in and day out. So I absolutely think what was unique and different about that post was that I was sharing that I, I I was struggling and I needed help. Yeah. Beyond the opportunity, you know, to do the show and other things, what actual offers or opportunities came to you as a result of that post? Oh my God. There were, I can't even, the, here's what I learned from that experience that I would, I would share with anybody. Convert each opportunity. When someone extends an olive branch to you, whatever it may be, mm -hmm. Hey, Heather, I saw your post. I'd like to help you in some way. Please let me know how I can help. Don't just pass that by or say thanks. Convert that into something in the moment. Whether you ask someone for, you know what, I'd love a testimonial of my work. Could you go to my LinkedIn page and leave one for me? You know what, could you give me um, a, a point of connection at your organization that I didn't have previously? I, I'm trying to expand my network. Whatever it may be, convert in that moment because two weeks later when you say, oh, wait a minute, I know what I could have asked that guy for. That person has their own problems, their own opportunities, and their own life that's taken off. And they're not even going to remember that you were fired or that you needed help. So convert those ass and opportunities in that moment when you receive them. That's really good. That's really good. Because sometimes I think you just nailed something there that I think people offer to help. But if it's not specific and we can't compute it, we'll let it pass. And that's really good. You took people up on that. All right, so your story, the reason I love, I want to talk, this whole thing is kind of a deep dive on confidence and grit and all this stuff. Um, your story is one of turning rejection into redirection. That's what I love about your story. It's, it's, it's really awesome. So take us back. You're on the show with Duran. And he says, you got a book in you and you're going, uh, man, I'm just, you know, I'm just here. Like, this is all, you're riding a wave. Walk us through... Not, it's not so much that I want you to share every big step that you took, but talk us through the confidence piece as you begin to step into this new world 
And now you've become a, a very popular keynote speaker. You've written two best-selling books. You know, your show's going bananas. Uh, what happened in those, like walk us through what's going on in your head, the confidence piece, how you begin to start, how'd you start into speaking, when the show, I want people to hear this because this is, was not some grand strategy of yours. No, hardly. I wish that it had, but right. it would have been um, much, uh, a lot more, the, the journey would have been more fun. As everyone <laughs> always says, enjoy right. the journey. I wasn't enjoying the journey back then because right. I didn't know where I was going, right? So uh, there is something really profound that happened that day with Elvis Duran. He was someone who I had on a pedestal, sure. right? So in life, we put some people on pedestal. He had made it, right? He was light years ahead of me. When he spoke this truth for him that he, he said, obviously, you're writing a book. Yeah. He had so much confidence. He transferred confidence from him to me wow. and I received it. That's good. And that was something I noticed that day. You know, I went in there really nervous. Getty Images was taking pictures. I was just hoping I could, you know, not fall on my face or say something that I'd be embarrassed about. Didn't know what was going to happen, but he truly transferred confidence into me. It was someone I respected, I admired, and then he spoke a, a belief into me. Mm -hmm. I'll never forget, I jumped on the plane on the way home that night and I Googled, how do you write a book? I had no idea. I wasn't a literary major. <laughs> That's great. And, you know, it comes to find out. It said you have to start writing X amount of hours a day. And I thought, great, I've just been fired. I have a non-compete. I'm going to start writing. So that's what I did. I took action and, and started writing. And once I got enough content written in a Word doc, I thought I should hire somebody that's done this before because yeah. I have no idea what I'm doing. I hired an editor. And then within five months, my first book was done. I love this. Okay. What'd you start writing about? I want people to hear this. It's funny. The first thing I started writing about was that lady that fired me because I right. was just so pissed off. <laughs> right. So I just, I started writing about like how awful it was, sure. and, you know, how negative the situation was. Yeah. But what that triggered, which was interesting was I thought to myself, wait a minute, I kind of felt like this when I got divorced. Wait a minute, I kind of felt like this when I got sexually harassed at work and I ended up leaving the job that I loved because I couldn't, I, I hated the toxic environment. Wait a minute, I and I started piecing together all these different times in my life I had felt in a similar fashion. Mm. And that's when I realized I bounced back from each of those by rebuilding my confidence. Wait a minute, there's a system and a process yes. here and I can teach people how to do it. All right, so I got that's a perfect segue. Teach us, talk to us about your methodology for rebuilding confidence because this is gold. Oh my gosh, there's so many different ways. Um, one of the first things that for me was impactful, mm -hmm. getting rid of negative people from your life. I yes. call it firing your villains. For me, that was the biggest thing. I had a, a, a woman, and just, I'm not saying that it makes her a bad person. I wasn't her person. She didn't like me. She didn't want me around. Everyone knew it, myself included, mm -hmm. but I tried to ignore it for a while. Again, doesn't mean that the villain is a bad person. It means sure. they're not your person. Good. And when you have a mm -hmm. negative person in your space, you have got to fire them and clear them out so you can start allowing positive people to come in. That was the biggest game changer for yeah. me. And, and, and I want you to talk about that. What did that look like? I mean, is that this big confrontation? I think that's what people think when they hear you say that. It may have been. Or was it just you going, you know what? I'm just going to slowly put up some boundaries. I'm curious, what did that detachment look like for you? Because I think a lot of people need to hear, how do I go about that? Because people are scared you know, to kind of say, hey, I'm moving on. Well, my situation was when she fired me. So that was a clean break. Well, it sure. was a big dramatic yeah. moment, right? So that was 
but that worked. The minute that woman was out of my life, within 24 hours, people started showing up trying to help me. It was it was the craziest thing. Now I know it's not crazy. When you have a negative person in your space and you're allowing them to be there, yeah. you block positive people and opportunity from coming in. That is fact. So there are other situations that I actually write about a lot in my second book where they're the sneaky villains, the person that when you walk into lunch to see them, you're in a great mood. But by the time you're leaving, you're second guessing yourself. You're, yes. you're feeling a little discouraged. They're giving you that side eye, not mean, but just it doesn't feel great being around them. Those are the people you need to create boundaries with, right? Yes. You, you need to let them know, you know what? My schedule's packed this week. I'm Unfortunately, I can't make lunch and, and start creating some space for yourself to protect yourself. You don't need a big dramatic fight with them. It, you know, that's definitely not necessary. But you've got to start putting your needs and wants first and noticing how you feel when you spend time with certain people. Yeah, I, I, I've got to tell you that there are people in my life that I call lifters because every time I'm around them, they lift me. And I'm thinking about four or five different dudes right now. They're all in different walks of life. And what's interesting, Heather, is it's rarely anything that's a conversation about what I do. It's not even a professional lift. They're not like saying, oh, Ken, you're good at this and what you do. It's many times it's one guy, it's all about laughter. He lifts me because we laugh. Uh, another guy uh, lifts me because he's interesting. Uh, like he's, I learned something when I'm around this dude. He's just one of the most well-read dudes. And we end up having these crazy conversations about stuff that I've never even thought about. It's that kind of stuff. I found that that lifts me, and in and in and in some ways, the way it works on my confidence is is if I'm having a rough day, and I'm just down, and I got the negative self voice going on, just shutting that voice down. Now those two dudes, the one I'm talking about, the the the, the thinker and, and the and and the laughter dude, they're not saying Ken, you're awesome, dude, you're great. It's just they've they've replaced the voice with something that's just more positive. And I find that when I'm with those two guys and I'm, and then I'm done that what was previously a negative narrative for me is not as negative, or it may just be, I'm like, what were you worrying about that for? Does that resonate with you? Oh my God. A 100%. Or even when I got to see you recently and we were both out to support yes. a mutual friend of ours, when you start showing up to support and encourage other positive people, it just lifts you up from whatever is going on so in your life. True. So I couldn't agree with you more. My other go-to, if I don't have someone like the people you're describing around me in that moment, I put my earbuds in and I go for a run. I yes. do that for myself through music and movement. That works, right? Some people meditate, yep. some people paint, right? There's so many different ways. It's just about noticing when do you feel best in your life? Who mm -hmm. are those people that you're around that help you to feel your best? And what are those things that you can do for yourself when nobody is around to make yourself make you feel better? Yeah, so true. Okay, so uh, I want to talk about confidence as a, as a public speaker. Obviously, you were an executive. So, you know, I would call you a professional communicator before you ever gave your first paid keynote because you were high up the ladder uh, in the communication business, for heaven's sakes. You know, uh, an award-winning executive, certainly a good communicator. But when you step out and you start to begin to develop content, writing books, and you speak, and these are these are for impressive companies, uh, there's got to be some little voices, little gremlins, <laughs> like to hop on your shoulder, maybe even minutes before you walk out there. Um, I love getting people like you to talk about what you faced and, and maybe some things that you kind of use to hack to go out there and go, you know what? 
I still got something to say. Uh, they're expecting me to get out there and say it. How have you gotten more confident as a communicator publicly? Yeah. Well, first of all, you nailed it. For 25 years, I spoke for my work. It wasn't called keynote speaker, but right. I was speaking and communicating for it. So I had experience. And I don't ever want to downplay that because, of course, anytime you do something new, it's going to be scary. And yeah. the more reps and more practice you give yourself, the more confident and competent you're going to be. So I already had a lot of reps in. And again, if you don't have reps in on something yet, just start putting the reps in. It doesn't matter if you're just filming yourself. The more you do it, the more comfortable you're going to be. But as I began taking those bigger stages and in different environments and knowing people are questioning, you know, does she have the cred to be here or not? I remember researching and, and hearing that Beyonce, one of the biggest performers of our time, channels her inner Sasha Fierce, she calls it, an inner persona mm. before she takes the stage. And I started thinking, if Beyonce, who's a billionaire and sells out you know, every arena around the world, has to do that, that's okay that I'm going to do. You know, I'll channel my inner sure. Sasha Fierce or whatever persona that is. The next thing that I do is I think about three different times in my life that I was scared to go in to do something and it went really well. And I read those experiences before I'm going to go on a big stage to remind myself, wait a minute, I've been here before. I've seen this movie. That's it might not good. be this it's, It works. It's social proof so to show you. So you journaled these stories here. out? And yeah, so you, absolutely. And so that's, okay, that's really good. That I've never even thought of that. You went back to three times in your life where you're scared, you know what, Liz, and then you just decided, I'm going to revisit those and that does tremendous things for your confidence. You just, you're it, like, it, I've been there. I've done this. You know, you can do it again. The other, wow. being there and doing it, visualization. This is mm -hmm. what professional athletes yeah. do. I always, I was interviewing Sarah Blakely live on stage at a conference in Boston and I was intimidated. Mm -hmm. And I, for one month, I would close my eyes. I'd watch video of her and then I'd close my eyes, seeing me interview her, seeing her smile at me, seeing the crowd go mm. wild. Prime your mind so that when you actually get there in real time, you're more comfortable to say, oh, I know how this is going to play out. I've seen it happen this way before. Mm. You know, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned Sarah because it reminded me of something she told me once in an interview, and it's been written about. She probably told you as well. Her dad used to sit her and her siblings down at the dinner table, and he would start dinner conversation around the theme of, what have you failed at? And that's a fascinating thing because what she shared and what her dad taught her was she just didn't have this unbelievable stigma around failure. It wasn't final to her, which you know came into play with her unbelievable story about how she's shopping Spanx around, couldn't even get manufacturers to listen to her. But there is a seeming um, almost debilitating anxiety around failing. What are your thoughts on that? No, it's, her father was clearly brilliant. And it's so unique that it sticks out to you. The same story stuck out to me in the fact that she brought that to Spanx and had the weekly um, oops meetings, yes. she would call it, where everybody had to celebrate how they failed. You know, we didn't necessarily have that growing up, but it is a mindset that over time I'm 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 taking on it's retraining yourself to celebrate. Wait a minute. I choose to see fear as a green light that means go. I choose to see failure as an opportunity to get better, to learn. And I didn't grow up that way. So it's been hard. But now looking back, I can see that each one of these fail moments led me to something so much bigger. 
that it's teaching me now to celebrate when there is a fail moment. I don't know what it is yet. There's some blessing to come. I'm not sure what it is, but I'm expecting it to happen next. Yeah. You and I have been able to be uh, in the room and, and around people, interview people that are wildly successful. What would you say is their take on failure and how they respond to it? What, what do you see as a, as a similarity? For sure, these incredibly successful people have all failed multiple, multiple times, but they don't let it stop them. They let it propel them forward mm -hmm. to that next thing. They don't give up and they don't quit. So we see, and I love, we're so lucky to be able to interview these people because it just keeps reminding us you know what? Yet yet again, another fail today. Not going to let that stop me. I'm going to keep it going because I'm surrounded by people and personalities that I see emulating that every single day. I want to get your take on some things that I see in our culture that I think are affecting uh, confidence as a whole. And that is this, it's, it's like a fear of hard work. We're seeing this more and more, you know, where, and again, my generation of parents, you know, it starts with my parents, then then my generation, and we are protecting kids so much from hard things that they don't know how to do hard things. And so when they experience hard things, it can absolutely flatten them. And I'm not making excuses for them, but it is starting to really affect our work culture. There is the anti-work movement where it's like, we don't think we should work at all. We think we should get a universal income. There is... Uh, financially independent, retire early. It's called the fire movement where they're working like dogs for 25 years to try to quit and never work again at 40. Uh, we've got quiet quitting, which is I'm going to do the bare minimum just to not get fired. I mean, you're a former executive. You speak to massive companies. You're in the middle of this. You're a go-getter. How do you feel about the way America sees work today? Oh, it's so backwards. You know, the one thing that sticks out to me as I observe the same things that you're observing is these are people who haven't found their purpose or their passion because, yeah. and you know this, when you love what we're doing, we're happy to do it on a Friday night, right? That's like right. we're not, oh, sh this is too late for, yeah, to do a meeting right, right now. Right. Forget, I got to right. get out of here. No, you're, you're excited about it because, hey, I'm bringing something forward that could help others that this is why I'm here. This is my legacy. When you... And I, I know the difference because I lived in a work environment where I showed up to do a job. I liked it. I, I, I was good at it, but I, I wasn't there wasn't a passion behind yeah. what I did. That that mission and purpose wasn't huge. So I do understand when I see younger generations, they're in the wrong line of work. They're at mm -hmm. the wrong company. They're in the wrong position or working for the wrong person. Go deal with those things. And this big trouble of having to go to work disappears. Yeah. So I, 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 you and I were texting yesterday, and I was like, "You, well, I got to get your thoughts on this this latest viral thing." Uh, this is a this is not a loser. This woman is she's accomplished by all by all effects. She kind of looks. She doesn't seem like a loser. She's got a corporate job, but she makes this video and it goes viral. And it's like you need a lazy girl job. And I'm not qualified to talk about this. I'm a girl dad, and I love being a girl dad. I got two boys as well. Uh, but I'm not. But I'm not a woman, and we've seen so much uh, positive strides in, in in corporate America for sure for women. Uh, we're seeing women in leadership positions all over the place in all facets of society. And I watched that video, and as a dude, so I want you to, you know, I mean, shoot me straight. I know you're a straight shooter. I watch that, and I go, I don't want my daughter to see that. Like I feel like that is a 
it's a that that in somehow slights professional women like you who are moms and you're getting after it and 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 so i just what do you think when you watch that and that phenomenon takes off what 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 are your reactions to that the first thing i thought was words have power and and sometimes people aren't really thoughtful and you know they i'm all for creativity and funny and and getting things to go viral like all right i'm here i'm i'm a champion for people sure. and i i'm going to celebrate it right however words ha- have power and pairing lazy and girl together first of all that's not I, I, i'm not a champion for that right? right i don't i don't want to celebrate that it diminishes mm-hmm. in to what you were just speaking about all these strides that we've been working towards for decades yeah to try to progress women forward, I just feel like it, it's, I don't think it's intended that way, right? However, it definitely can be perceived that way. And it, it would be helpful if we could be a little bit more thoughtful in regards to the words that we use. I was thinking about this, the concept of the lazy girl, if it really means that you don't have to kill yourself for work, which I'm, I'm all for, sure. yes, I'm all for that. But when you find a job that you love and an environment that you love and you're doing good and you feel proud of yourself, you're excited to go bring that yes. forward. That's not about being lazy. No, it's not. And that's the uh, that's the other thing. It's like you don't have to work like a machine, like like you don't have to work like that to be successful. You can love what you do and have some boundaries at the same time. That's what's concerning to me is about these type of things. It's like it's painting work as only this one negative connotation. You're working for the man. Uh, they, 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 they underpay you, they underappreciate you. And by the way, that's out there. There's a whole bunch of horrible leadership in this country. Uh, but I just, I see that and I I just don't understand where we're getting this idea that we're going to be truly happy and fulfilled. I don't think you can be truly fulfilled just mailing it in. I don't think you can be fulfilled, quiet quitting, doing the bare minimum. I just don't believe that's how humans are wired. Every human is wired to make a difference and and they want to make their own mark. You know, your mark is different than my mark. And and then you can look around the world. This idea of just accepting average to me sounds depressing. It just sounds like people who haven't found their way yet. I remember my son wasn't doing well in school one year. And it was the same year he really leaned into basketball and mm-hmm. decided he wants to go, you know, he wants to be pro, he's got a plan. And the more he would fixate on this passion and purpose that he loved doing, he loved being in the gym, working towards basketball. And then he began linking it to school. Well, I've got to get into the right colleges. Suddenly he started putting more effort and work into it. Sometimes it's just linking these things together, but it goes back to what is it that you really love to do? Like lean into that first and start finding ways to feel better about who you are, more confident about who you are. And then start, you know, bringing these things together to see how can you be that best version of yourself. But the lazy girl job, I just don't think is is it. And and I just wonder, since I'm talking to you, because you talk so much about confidence, I just wonder when people rationalize things like that, I wonder if they're suffering from a lack of confidence. Can I be unique? Can I do something that I really want to do? I think they, they I think when I've coached over 7,000 callers, Every time someone presents themselves to me as, Ken, I don't know what I want to do, I now have done it enough to know that the answer is they do know. They just need me to uncover a few things off their heart, and then they end up blurting it out to me. I don't ever tell them what it is. It's impossible for me to do that. I can uncover it. But I I think that, again, back to this confidence thing, I think it is the X factor for all of us. I think you show me a person who 
is accepting average, who's accepting uh, a victim mentality, I think it's because they lack the right amount of confidence to actually see I themselves properly. I completely agree with you. You're, you're so right. And you you have the data behind it. 7,000 coaching sessions have shown you this. Yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing to me. All right, I want to ask you this. Here's some data that I've been really digging into, and I really want to know what you think. Um, the numbers are roughly, it's, it's a bit over 70% of Americans say they want to be self-employed. It's a pretty high number. But 7% of Americans are actually self-employed. It's a pretty big gap. I love looking at your face there. You're, you're processing this real time. So 70 plus percent say they want to be self-employed. Only 7% are. Uh, there, there again, the confidence piece and the willingness to step out. What, how does that hit you? Those, those data points. I'm not shocked at all. I used to be that person. I remember going to work and again, I, I, I made good money. I had a job I mm -hmm. liked, but I remember being frustrated with what was happening around me and thinking I could do this better. But when push came to shove, was I actually leaving and doing it? No, because it takes that massive confidence to say, I'm willing to see what's behind door number three and take this risk and go out into the unknown. And when you don't really believe in yourself and in your ability, if there's so few that actually will, and those data points you just shared, just are, they're such a great example of it. So what's it like for you now kind of running your own thing? Because, I mean, you're you're doing your own thing. I mean, do, do you fight a lot of this, like some of the insecure thoughts, or you feel like you've got this thing dialed in now? Some days I feel like I have it dialed in, and some days I say, oh, what am I doing? You know, I have no idea what I'm right. doing. I'm still a rookie at this mm -hmm. because... Again, until you've done something for so many years, there is a level of just competency that comes at after you know more experience and more expertise and, and growing your network in these new environments. So I just have to keep reminding myself, there was a day that was my first day in the job as a salesperson when I was 21, right? I became an expert in sales. Mm. It took a few years. I got to give myself a little bit of grace. So I look back at these past experiences that I have and I apply it to now. And I trust and believe myself and I take myself through my routines that really, you know, make it about the person I'm serving. Stop making it about myself. And when I get back to that real why, it's a little bit easier to move forward during those moments where I do question, you know, how stable is this environment? How stable is this business idea? I'm rolling the dice again. Yeah. Um, I also want to get you to weigh in on something because you've got executive experience. And now, of course, you know, as a thought leader, you're, you're into this kind of thing. But we've got... Uh, more and more people quitting jobs at higher rates. In other words, millennials started this trend. They were called the job hoppers. They were expecting to be on the job about a year and a half max. Now you got Gen Z, they're in the workforce. And we saw this in the great resignation coming out of the pandemic where we saw over 4 million people per month were quitting their jobs. That slowed down a bit. But it feels like more and more people are just willing to hop hop, hop. Now I'm all for climbing and moving, but I think there's a difference between going up and hopping around. Um, how much of that, that quitting do you think is because people just lack direction or do they lack grit and character to go, I'm going to stick with this a little bit longer and get a foothold here and start climbing here versus eh, the minute it gets tough, the minute there's a jerk in the workplace. You got any thoughts on, on what's driving that? 
culture, generational culture, the phones, the TikToks, the viral TikToks. Yes. I mean, all of these things feed into this different mentality. My own child has said to me before, I don't understand why you work so hard when all you need to do is spend a little bit more time doing some YouTube videos that you make go viral, mom. Sure, you could sure. be a billionaire. Right. But he, because of the way he's grown up, he's not kidding. He truly believes Absolutely. I should go sit and create TikToks all day, right? So this it, it's such a unique world that our children are growing up in mm-hmm. and it's so different you know versus where we came from that i do believe it truly is cultural and and it they're at a disadvantage frankly versus you know how we grew up mm. all right so i want to i want to get a little personal with you i know you can handle it but what villains are you dealing with right now you i mean usually it's me I, the one that lives between my own two ears i've got to tell you you know and i again I have to retrain myself and go back to to what I know. Hey, Heather, like pause for, take a deep breath for a moment. You can do this. I've got a couple of really big opportunities coming up in the next week and training myself to say, I'm going to, I'm going to visualize the outcome that I know is happening. I'm going to get excited about it instead of sorry saying, wait a minute, what if it doesn't come together? What if I start panicking and take Mm -hmm. myself off course? And, you know, I, I really, I'm a work in progress like this. I, I don't have this confidence thing nailed on every day and it's just, reminding myself that there are steps I can take to improve it. I love that. I read something recently that we, this is from uh, research, we have between 300, we tell ourselves between 300 to 1,000 words every minute. Isn't that mind-boggling? I, like, I want that to sit for a second, folks. 300 to 1,000 words a minute. So that is easily the most important voice we listen to. It's us. And I love that you were so transparent about that. And I'm an overanalyzer, all right? I'm just going to admit, I like, I overanalyze the most ridiculous things. Oh, I saw Heather at this uh, networking event, and and uh, I was talking to her for a minute, and then somebody else came along, and she didn't, you know, it, I can take something so stupid. I'm being very, very vulnerable because I want our audience to understand this. I can take something that is rather an insignificant interaction and spend five, seven minutes thinking about it for no reason at all and it's nothing um so i can get in that over analyzing is this good because i'm such a people pleaser uh you your issues confidence i think my i think confidence is pretty much everybody's biggest issue some form or some way isn't that true oh absolutely no but it's so good i feel like just the fact that you talk about that and share that with people listening so people need to know they're not alone the the ones you need to be worried about are the people that act like they truly are confident all the time those are the ones that are struggling more than anyone hundred percent it's so good to see you know whether it be me or you you know just different people showing up and saying hey you're not alone out there and and we all struggle with it you know the person that we run into a lot of people that look like they've got all their stuff together. And I, I always, I don't, you know what? I always think to myself and I don't want to be judgmental in any way, but I always go, there's no way, man, there's no way you're that well put together. It's just, you know, it's the type of person that's like the, all they talk about is their highlights. You know what I mean? And everything seems all well put together. And you go, I bro, you look, I'll bet you eat Rocky road ice cream by the jug on Friday nights. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Can we be real for a second? Like we, cause, cause, okay, this is the kind of conversation I've never had on the show and I'm kind of glad we're going here. You and I run in this world of influencers and I even, I hate that word, but, but we run this world and, and it's like, if you, if you can't get real with me, I go, 
you ain't real. I'm not getting the real version of you is what I'm trying to say. And I'm not saying we got to walk around first time we meet somebody and dump something awful on them. But always held together, always put together, I don't know. You're hiding something. You're trying to overcome something publicly instead of dealing with it privately. Am I being too harsh? No, no. Thank you for saying that. Here's why. And someone just popped into my mind that I know, you know, and it just, yes, like uh, immediately someone came to mind and there's many people like that. Right. And again, like you said, no judgment. We all have our own struggles, but it's so obvious to all of us that it it, it is kind of comical. I go back to that woman I worked side by side with in corporate America. She always wanted to appear perfect. That was her thing, right? Like Mm -hmm. we all, all have our own thing. And I, I, I think about that avatar and I remember how no one felt close to her. No one felt they could live up to her perfect world. Mm-hmm. So she actually created more distance between herself as a leader and people that she wanted to have relationship with. And, and this example that you're using right now, it's very similar. No one's going to gravitate towards that person because we all know nobody's perfect. We all have struggles out there. So the more you can at least let people in, just even in the tiniest bit, the more relatable and approachable you are, the more people will be drawn and gravitate towards you, the better you're going to feel, you know, the more people you can impact, the more good can be done. And I, I love that you brought us back to this, this, this lady who fired you. It's, it's kind of full circle for our conversation. You didn't let her have any power over you, or at least not for very long, because the way you talked about it, when you told us, I'm reminding our listener and our viewer, you know what? I realized that I didn't want them in my life. And, and, and when I realized that, then I was able to just completely move on from it. That's that's essentially what you said, and and I want to I want to go back there and tee you up. I want you to talk to our viewer. And I want you to talk to our listener. Um, our leaders, our bosses, have tremendous impact on our mental health, the way we see each other. It's just it's just a function of of the role, and their authority, and and our worth, and how we get that all mixed up. Um. What do you say to the person who's really struggling because maybe they didn't get the closure and they've not gotten to where you got to where you were like, hey, this sucks for all the reasons it sucks, but she's out of my life. I'm glad she hit the eject button. How does a person get to that frame of mind? First of all, it takes time, right? I'm going to be completely honest. At first, I was Googling her every day, Googling the stock price every day, (laughs) cheering when I would see it drop. I was almost obsessing. And here's the realization I had. I was giving her my energy. And when I finally became cognizant of that, I thought, wait a minute, I want to boost me up. I want to help me if I step away and create some space between her, stop making this about her and about being angry at her then I can start putting back into me. That was step one. Then step two came to be, okay, I don't need to be mad at her. I don't need to hate her. She, This lady gave me a gift. I need to be neutral to her. Then it came to a point where I thought I should forgive her because I am harboring bad feelings toward her. So then I started practicing forgiveness and saying a forgiveness prayer for her truly. And then as I did these things, I didn't feel nervous if I was going to run into her or someone who knew her. Like mm-hmm. the power really came back to me. And I'm so grateful. I'm sad it took this long for me to learn something like this. But the sooner we can create some space, bring it to neutral, and then make it about forgiveness and then bring your power back to you and, and put your focus back on you and what good you can do, the quicker you're going to take off. Mm. All right. Here's a big takeaway from Heather's story, folks. Let your failures refine you, not define you. You have certainly done that, Heather. 
uh, your force of nature. Folks, you're going to uh, want to follow her, pay attention to everything she's doing. We'll give you all the details. I got to let you go. It is, uh, as we look at East Coast time, it's coming up on 6 o'clock. You live in the Miami area. Are you going to South Beach tonight? You got big plans? What's what? I mean, what's happening? I got to know. Meet up with John Maxwell this weekend. So I'm having dinner with my son okay, at good. home tonight, keeping it low key so then we can go bring the heat for the weekend. All right. Well, tell John that I said hello, that we just talked. I used to work for John for years, and I'll have to share it. Next time we're together, I'll share some fun, behind-the-scenes, hilarious John Maxwell stories. They are not for the public, uh, but they are funny, and uh, you will absolutely die. Uh, I've got some great I stories. I think to, I need to know about these things. Do not make sure that you give me this, this inner me. tea. Trust me, it will happen. You will absolutely love it. Hey, Heather, you're great. Our audience is better for hanging out with you today. So thanks for being with us. Thank you so much, Ken. Well, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Heather. Big thanks to Heather for joining me. And hey, thank you. Help us spread the word. You can do that by liking, following, subscribing, and sharing. We'll see you soon.